Welcome to our broadcast today. We are delighted and excited to have you joining with us for yet again another Bible study opportunity. I'm excited about what God has put upon our heart today, and I pray that it be a blessing to your heart as much as it has been to my heart. We're going to be taking our place in the Old Testament, uh, all the way back into the very first book of the Bible, in the book of Genesis, and we're going to be looking into the life of Jacob. You know, Jacob said that I have seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. My life is preserved. What a tremendous truth from God's Word. And it's a term in which we, we be, are very well acquainted with, a term in which is often used in even today's language. And when you preserve something, you save it, you rescue it, you keep it from spoiling. And we have some ladies in our church, and I'm excited about this time of year because already hearing about some of our ladies that are beginning to uh, make preserves and uh, beginning to can things. And, and I've had the great privilege over the years as a pastor to be able to taste uh, those wonderful preserves, anything from jelly to, to pickles and to vegetables. And I have certainly reaped the benefits of that. And so it's an exciting time of the year. But Jacob said that God has now preserved my life, kept it from spoiling, rescued it, saved his life. And I'm glad that that's the business in which God is still in today and still able to do for us today. If you have your Bibles, I would like for you to follow along with us. I appreciate those who provided the special singing for us in today's broadcast. And appreciate Brother Eddie uh, once again making this possible as we continue to learn and grow together. And I do ask your apologies. My wife, of course, she says, um, you're filming this in the basement. And I said, well, it's the best I have uh, during this time and this change in which we're going through. I understand it's not the best of quality, but hey, it's the best we can do with what is God, God has given us. And we appreciate you. Uh, joining with us and being a part of our broadcast service. Our Bible reading for today is again found in the first book of the Bible. It's in the book of Genesis, and it's in the 32nd chapter. And it's a part of a verse in, uh, which I just read to you, and it's a part of the life of Jacob um, that was a very vital and very necessary part of his life. And often through our journeys, that's the way it is for us. And God brings us through necessary times and necessary changes in our life that only God can bring about. And I'm going to begin reading today in verse 24. Uh, Eddie will have the scriptures up and you can follow along with us with what the Word of God says. The Bible says, And Jacob was left alone. And there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh, and the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. That made it difficult to wrestle. To have a joint 
that was out of place or out of joint uh, had to be difficult. But Jacob refused to give up. Jacob refused to surrender. And so the wrestling match, if you will, continued until close to morning. In verse 26, it says, And he said, Let me go, for the day breaketh. And he said, I will not let thee go, except thou bless me. And he said unto him, What is thy name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, Thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince hast thy power with God and with men, and hast prevailed. And Jacob answered him and said, Tell me, I pray thee, thy name. And he said, Wherefore is it that thou dost ask my name? And he blessed him there. And Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, for I have seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. Peniel, for I have seen God face to face, and my life is now preserved. May the Lord add a rich blessing to the reading of his word. One thing that fills the pages of our Bibles, one thing from Old Testament to New Testament that stands clear, and I'm thankful for it, because even beyond the pages of our own Bibles, it is true in our life and our own experiences and that truth is that, the, is that God has the power to save and the power to change lives. The power to save and the power to preserve life. What a tremendous truth that is. And if you study in the Word of God throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament, again and again you see the power of God changing lives. The life of Abraham, the life of Isaac, and the life of Jacob. The life of Noah, the life of David, the life of the prophet Jonah, who is one of my favorite, who rebelled against God and ran away from God like so many of us do. But God had the power to change his life and bring him to the will of God and the place of God in which God's purpose was fulfilled. I think about those dear disciples whom we preached on recently and how God changed their life. They were fearful. They were afraid. They were cowardly by nature until God changed their life. And they went about in Jerusalem and the outer cities and villages and began to preach the, the gospel message of Jesus Christ with great courage and with great boldness. The Apostle Paul, who is responsible for writing most of the books of the New Testament, in which we enjoy and read today, and which blesses our life in the Word of God, and how God changed his life. You talk about a reversal. You talk about being preserved. Paul, before conversion, as you know, the Bible described him as reaping havoc upon the church. This man made it his personal mission. He so rejected Christ. He so rejected the message of Christ and the church that he made it his personal mission 
to eliminate the church altogether until he met the Lord on the road to Damascus and God permanently changed his life forever. He went, my friends, from destroying churches to building churches. He went from rejecting Christ to preaching Christ. You couldn't have had a greater reversal of life than that which is described in the Apostle Paul. And so it's true of us. And aren't we thankful today that God had the power to change our lives and to change who we are for his eternal glory, for his eternal purpose. And we're so thankful for that today. I think about the generation in which we live today and what a different generation it is. I have had the privilege of pastoring for many years and I've always enjoyed history and I enjoy sitting down with uh, the, our seniors and being able to talk about yesterday's generation and the generation in which they grew up in, the society in which fit and shaped their lives in which they grew up in. And oftentimes I think about my own childhood and how different my own childhood is from today's generation. I grew up in a time when most neighbors went to church as well as our own family went to church. Many of our neighborhood or most of our neighborhood, we went to church together. And so we worshiped together and rejoiced together and grew together and sang together. I remember growing up in a neighborhood where neighbors helped one another. And I can remember many of those what I call yard conversations, most of the time on Saturdays that took place when, when they had been outside working in their yards or their gardens or the flower beds uh, all day long. And, and oftentimes neighbors would meet together in one of them's yard and, and talk about how tired they were and talk about tomorrow being Sunday and a day of worship, and a day of going to the house of the Lord. I grew up watching... TV programs like Andy Griffith and the Flintstones and even uh, uh, My Three Sons and the Brady Bunch and so on. I grew up in a generation that still valued faith and family. They still valued the importance and the significance of faith and family. Our generation in which we live in today is doing what it can to not only destroy family and destroy God's intention and God's plans for the family and for the home, but also faith. Doing all that it can to eliminate the value of faith and the purpose of faith in our society, in our world today. The Bible, in today's message, talks about a man's life that was very interesting. And yes, it was a different time. Yes, it was a different generation. But even then, we see the very presence and the very results of evil. We're looking into the life of Jacob for just a moment, and I won't have time to really cover this in the manner in which I would like to. 
But Jacob led a very interesting life, to say the least. You know that in the Old Testament times, your name had a design meaning. In other words, your name meant something. And in the Hebrew language or Hebrew tongue, the name Jacob meant heel catcher, trickster, even a deceiver, if you will. And so it wasn't a, a very flattering name. And unfortunately, that name fit the lifestyle of Jacob very well up until a certain point in his life. He had spent a great deal of his life and a good portion of his life being just that, a trickster and a deceiver. And unfortunately, many of his deceptions fell upon his older brother Esau, as many of us are in the Bible are familiar with. And the Bible tells us about this very elaborate scheme, this very elaborate trick, if you will, that was devised by his mother and by Jacob himself in order to deceive his own father, who was at this time uh, practically well in age and upon his deathbed and about to leave this world. And so they devised this plan that would deceive Isaac, his father, that would trick him into giving the blessing that rightfully belonged unto Esau, the oldest, into the life, into the hands of Jacob himself. This man involved that Jacob would dress like Esau. This plan involved that Esau, that he would become like Esau, even the very smell of Esau. As the Bible says that Esau was a man of the field and uh, a, hunt, a hunter, if you will, and, and, and he had a certain odor, a certain smell about him that Isaac would recognize as his dad. He even attempted to try to sound like his brother in this deception. And the, and the plan went as far as to put in goat hair on the face of, of Jacob and on the hands of Jacob so that he would even feel like his brother Esau to his father Isaac, that he might steal away, that he might steal away the blessing that rightfully belonged to the oldest son. Now this was quite a plan of deception and one that he and his mother accomplished. And so that we can understand the magnitude of this, I, I want you to see the power of the blessing itself so that it helps us. If you'll turn in your Bibles to the 27th chapter of Genesis and follow along, I, I think that you're going to be greatly blessed by this truth for, for just a moment. But I want you to see the, the power of the transfer of this blessing into the life and to the hands of Jacob. In Genesis chapter 27 and verse 28, Isaac 
spoke this blessing and transferred this blessing to the life of Jacob as it states in the word of God. In verse 28 says, Therefore God give thee of the dew of heaven and the fatness of the earth and plenty of corn and wine. Let people serve thee and nations bow to thee. Be Lord over thy brethren and let thy mother's sons bow down to thee. Cursed be everyone that curseth thee and blessed be he that blesseth thee. Now that is a powered pack transferring of power. And that is exactly what took place in this great deception, in this great lie, if you will, when Jacob pretended to be that of his brother Esau and deceived his own father. This was a transferring of God's blessing. And it's important that we understand this. This was a transferring of God's blessing from one generation to the next generation. You see, this was all about God. This was all about what God had promised. And you remember oftentimes in the Old Testament, and this is a covenant and promise that dated all the way back to his grandfather, Abraham. And oftentimes the Bible refers to Abraham, Isaac, and to Jacob. So this was big. This was of huge proportion. And it was a transferring of the covenant and the promise that God had made to Abraham as well as to Isaac and now has been transferred unto Jacob. And it comes with great responsibility and it comes with great power. If you'll notice again in the words that he said, and, and, and a part of the blessing is God will give you the dew of heaven, the fatness of the earth. And there will be abundance of prosperity and success. That's what was within the blessing. Also, he said, people will serve you. Nations will bow down to you as the Lord liveth. That was part of the blessing and the promise that God had made to Abraham, to Isaac, and now being transferred to the life of Jacob. You may be asking the question as you think about this bizarre circumstance and this deception within itself you may be asking the question well preacher what about God how could God allow such a thing to happen I can understand how putting on some goat hair and and putting on Esau's clothes could deceive Isaac who was well in his years now and his eyes had already dimmed and could see very very little and I certainly can understand how you trick and deceive an old man like, like his father was in, in that stage in his life. But how could God allow such a thing to happen? I suppose that every generation that 
has ever drawn a breath on God's green earth has asked that question. It is a big question. How could God? And perhaps even ourselves, as those of you that are sitting under the sound of my voice today, perhaps even your life at some time has reached a place where you ask the very same question, how could God? How could God allow such a thing to happen? How could a loving, merciful, gracious God allow such a thing to fall upon my life? And you know, as a pastor that throughout the years, I've been asked that question numerous times by folks. As I sat down with them, as I listened to the real stories of their life, and even still today, listening to the real story of people's lives. And you can hear in the very background, people asking that question, how could God. You know, folks, there's only one real answer to that question. And I found myself often as a pastor when, you know, you want to be there for people and you want to provide answers for people and we always have to turn to the only source we have and that is the true Word of God. And there is two verses that God gives unto us that we always need to know and that we always need to remember and they're found in the book of Isaiah and they're found in the 55th chapter of Isaiah and they're familiar verses to most of us for God spoke and God said and revealed to that prophet and said listen for my thoughts are not your thoughts neither are your ways my ways saith the Lord. In other words, God is saying to the prophet and God is saying to every generation, I am God and you are not. I am the great I am. I am the Alpha and Omega. I am the beginning and the end. I am the very first and the last. Amen. Can we get a witness? And God is simply saying to every generation, I don't think like you think. I don't operate the way that you operate. I want you to listen to the next verse, which we do not quote often. And it's found in Isaiah 55 and verse 9, the very following verse. For God says this, For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. God added an explanation in case anybody needed one. And God just simply said, you need to understand that heaven is higher than the earth. And God says, you need to understand that I am higher than you. I am more supreme than you. My wisdom and my knowledge and my understanding and my very counsels are are higher and greater than yours. My expectations are higher than yours. You see, we can't think on God's level. We can't function on God's level. 
But God just simply asked every generation to trust him that he knows what he is doing, that he is still God and that he knows exactly what he is doing and does not need the help or the counsel from any single one of us. And God is just simply saying to generation after generation, my way is better than your way. Amen. My thoughts are greater than your thoughts, higher than your thoughts, better than your thoughts. And that is the only answer. And the only result, the only conclusion that you and I have is to simply trust God. Trust God. God knows what he is doing. And certainly that is true as we're able to see the remainder part of the life of Jacob unfold before us, and we're thankful for it. Let me give you a biblical example of this truth, and I what remaining time I have, I need to finish up upon this truth. Deuteronomy chapter 1 and verse 8. Deuteronomy chapter 1 and verse 8. God speaking unto the children of Israel, and he says these words, he says, Behold, I have set the land before you. Go in and possess the land which the Lord, listen, which the Lord swear unto your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give unto them and to their seed after them. In other words, God said, listen, you are about to possess and you are about to receive the very promise that I made back to your fathers generations ago, beginning with Abraham and handed down to Isaac and Isaac to Jacob. In other words, God was simply saying, listen, I had a plan all along. There was a plan, an eternal plan in which God said, I had all along. Jacob didn't know it. Isaac didn't know it. Abraham didn't know it until I revealed it to him, until I gave it to him. And now I'm making good on the very promise and the very covenant that I made with your fathers. As I would bless them, I would bless their seed after them. And that includes you. That includes you. Bottom line, folks, is simply this. God is still God no matter what. No matter whatever else has took place, no matter whatever else our eyes see, no matter whatever else our ears hear, God is still God. And God ultimately always has a plan. God had a plan long before even Jacob or his mother knew of that plan. If you'll notice with me, and here's the beauty of the whole story, is that Jacob's life was changed forever. You see, Isaac transferred the power of the promise and covenant that God had made with his father, Abraham. And the same covenant and promise was transferred to Isaac and now that Isaac has reached an age and basically on his own deathbed is transferring that promise and that covenant unto Jacob. 
But Jacob was not yet ready to receive such a powerful and such a tremendous blessing. Even though the transfer took place, and even though the transfer was not reversible, it was big business. And once it was done, it was done and it was final and could not be changed. And even though that, that transfer had already taken place and that position had been given unto Jacob, Jacob was not yet ready for such a blessing, for such a, a powerful blessing as God had in store for his life. God said, not so fast. Things are not quite ready just yet. And bottom line was the life of Jacob himself was not quite ready yet to receive all that God had in store for him. You see, Jacob was still a deceiver. Jacob was still a trickster. Jacob, as the Bible describes, was still a heel catcher. And that had to be changed. That had to be made different before he would be ready for the blessing that his father had already given to him. And the beauty of the message is God had the power. God had the power to change his life. And that takes us back to the opening text in which I read. And if you look again in Genesis chapter 32 and verses 27 and 28. And notice the beauty of this story and I've got to finish. But the Bible records for us and says that he said unto him, What is thy name. What is your name? And Jacob responded, Jacob. And he said, Thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince hast thou power with God and with men, and hast prevailed. Jacob was asked the question, What is thy name? And he responded to the only name that he had ever known. <laughs> the name that had been given to him since he was brought into this world. The name in which he had lived under and operated under up until this day. And Jacob responded correctly when he said, my name is Jacob. And the message came unto him, not anymore. <laughs> not anymore. You will no longer be called or you will no longer go by the name of Jacob. In other words, you will no longer be known as a deceiver. You will no longer be known as a trickster. You will never be no longer be known by that name. For now your name shall be changed unto Israel. Because the message said to him, listen, you're now a prince. You are now a prince. And as a prince, you have power with God and with men. In other words, from this moment on, from this day forward, your life 
will be different. And you will no longer be able to operate under the name of Jacob because you will no longer be able to operate as a, as a prankster, as a trickster, as a deceiver, and really as a liar. From this day forward, you're going to be a different man. From this moment before, forward, your life is going to be changed forever. You know, that's exactly what happened with us. The very moment the grace of God reached down and touched our life, the very moment that the grace of God saved us, the very moment that God transferred our life from the power of darkness unto his marvelous light. In that moment, God made a new creature out of us. Oh my goodness, I'm about to have a spell in this basement. And ever since that moment, I've been a different man. I've been a new man with a new heart that only God had the power to change. Change is coming. Say it with me. Change is coming. I may not see it today, but it is coming because God is getting me ready for that which he has already promised, that which he has already given, that which he has in store for me. Amen. And my friends, I'm excited about those changes because I know that the ultimate change is going to be when I step out of this life into the marvelous life to come. When I step from this world unto that which God God has promised and God has in store for me in the next. And the Bible reminds me that eye has not seen, ear has not heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man. Listen, God is not just getting me ready for today. God is not just getting me ready for tomorrow, but God is getting me ready for all of eternity. And so is you. Say it with me. God is getting me ready for the blessings that he has all along in store for me and for you. I pray that that is an encouragement to your heart, an encouragement to your life, no matter where you are today. And may the hand of God continue to be upon you and continue to bless you daily until we meet again. May God bless you all.